Hi, it's a Market Chat from Brown Janikowski, Friday, June 23rd. I'm Christian Thwaites. And I'm Emily Takenberts, and let's get started, Christian. So we've seen not much action in the market this week, although not much action for some time. And we're seeing a little bit of stagnation and low volatility in the market. You know, if we view the Trump reflation themes of tax cuts, infrastructure, deregulation, no, really, no, no longer really driving the market. Um, is the new kind of substance, substantive force the stasis of the legislative process, and you know, a diminishing likelihood of any meaningful progress in that area? Well, I think the three big impetuses to the market from November, as you mentioned, the infrastructure, the tax cuts and the deregulation are really not priced into the market at this point. No, no one's really expected them to come with much force uh, or, in, or in any you know, opportune time. So I think most of the market has not priced in those three big moves. Uh, this week, of course, last we had the, uh, the Senate version of the health care uh, reform uh, change to Obamacare. Um, and I think the market perked up a little bit like that. But really, the market's being driven now by rates, the change in rates and earnings. So that's a healthier driver, I think, for the market than, than expecting some big political uh, sort of uh, force to suddenly increase interest or increase the economics of the market. It's very much driven by, by the fundamentals right now. And that's an interesting point that you bring up of, of you know, being driven by rates because I know that, you know, Ben Bernanke, the, the last chair of the Fed, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I think maybe in 2012, he kind of called out Congress and he said, you know, the Fed can only do so much with monetary policy targeting interest rates. There needs to be, you know, some complement to that a la fiscal policy from the government that boosts demand and spending, which is to say kind of in another way that the Fed can you know, set the table very nicely, um, but can't make people sit down and eat. Uh, do you kind of subscribe to that that reading of what's going on in terms of, of uh, you know, the demand, the lack of demand, the lack of spending? Um, you know, what is your take on that, on that view? Well, he was talking at a time when the market, when, when the economy was in a, a much tougher shape than it is now. He was talking at the during or just after the, the the deep recession that we saw in 2008, 2009, is right that there needed to be some sort of fiscal stimulus. And indeed, there was under the uh, Obama first administration, about $800 billion into the economy at the time. Um, I, I think since then, the he hasn't he hasn't mentioned it again. And I, and I don't really see where a, a big economic stimulus is going to go at this point. If it is in tax cuts or is it is a big spending program, I think that is potentially quite inflationary. And I don't think it's going to make much of an impact on employment, uh, which is already you know, fairly low, although there are some structural problems with the employment market that we've talked about before here. Um, and it's not going to make much uh, impact on growth. It'll probably just move things around from one sector to another. So I think in a period of crisis, swift fiscal action is certainly beneficial, and we could have had more at the time. But at this point, where where the market's in a much, and the economy's in a different stage of the cycle, uh, I, I think there's a limit to 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 what kind of fiscal stimulus. Certainly, reform 
would be welcome. Tax reform is always welcome. It's unbelievably complicated, as you know. Um, some re-regulations of some markets uh, could probably could probably could probably be helped. Um, but uh, I, I think the government's ability to impact the direction and the magnitude and the size and the growth of the economy is fairly limited at this point. Okay. You, you also wrote about in this week's blog um, around kind of the move um, and the power of, of indexes, um, just because we've seen this rise of, of a lot of money moving into index funds. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about some of your thoughts that you wrote, wrote about in the blog and, and you know, what, what we saw in terms of, of what happened with Saudi Arabia um, when the MSCI index um, you know, made a made a certain announcement around that country, um, and how you know that that move to indexing has really affected um, market movements at, at points in time. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we wrote about it because MSCI is one of the, sort of the big six index providers, has off and on over the last few years made a big uh, hurrah about whether to include China. A shares into the emerging market index. Now, China is a very, very large stock market, second largest in the world, but a lot of it has restrictions on it, either with cross holdings or illiquidity or types of share classes that make it difficult for foreigners and indeed other people to invest in it. So what MSCI do is they sort of edit back the size of the China market. And instead of putting it in at its full size and market cap, they, they put in a more restricted version of it. And so uh, they they decided that next year they're going to increase the amount that they allocate to China by a little bit. And so this has been expected for a while, and there was a certain amount of front-running on the China market in expectations of this. The numbers did come out, and the China market actually sort of rallied to about a 15-month high. Uh, and then I also included the Saudi Arabia one, because Saudi Arabia has typically been in the frontier market. So you have developed market, emerging market, and frontier market. And Saudi Arabia is sort of getting promoted, they think, to the uh, developed market status. And that market, which is much thinner than the uh, than the China market by a very long, long way, you know, just rocketed 9% on the back of uh, just MSCI, um, considering including it in the index. So my, I think the point is that indexes are incredibly powerful movers of the market. They're not really meant to be. I mean, MSC, MSCI, S&P, uh, FTSE, and these other index providers are really meant to set a benchmark then for active and deep passive managers, managers to follow. And it seems that some of their decisions are having a, a very big and perhaps you know unhealthy uh, effect on the way uh, investors view markets and indeed they're moving markets. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean... It I guess the question is then is, um, you know, do you see some of the lack of volatility in the market attributed to this rush into index funds? Do you see kind of, uh, you know, those two things being related? You possibly. I mean, it, 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 you would think that with more people indexing, then there's less turnover of the underlying stocks in the index. Uh, but then, you know, index funds are being used very aggressively in ETF and other programs. So I, I don't know yet. I, 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 I don't think we can tie the low volatility as measured things like VIX to the increase in indexing. I think it might be part of the story, but it's not all the story. And I think a lot of work needs to be done 
on whether you know whether whether indexing is 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 the major culprit here. I think actually that the 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 low volatility is due to a number of things: low rates, the market really not having a lot of direction to it, not seeing a lot of adverse risk in it, as well as perhaps sort of low low turnover, and then indeed a low option riding and option buying, which is what the VIX is based on. So I'm not really sure. That is that we can lay point the finger purely at indexing at this point. We might be able to later, but I still suspect indexing will just be one part of the explanation of low volatility and possibly not the most important part. Do you see indexing or this this move to indexing um, as uh, do you see a potential risk there on the downside if people start pulling out money on mass? Um, no, I don't think the the risk is people moving money en masse. It's just that um, indexing could mean that markets move too much in either direction mm -hmm. uh, because there 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 isn't a lot of price discovery at the security level uh, by indexes. So, you know, so far it's been good. We can point to the size of indexing, and we can't really complain about the size, the direction. Or the volatility or the growth of underlying markets. There doesn't seem to be anything irrational about that the index funds have done to the market. Um, you know, we'll certainly see there'll be at some point uh, a, a market uh, correction, and we'll see you know how the index funds uh, behave. But so far, um, all the research I've seen suggests that the indexing on its own is is not causing a lot of uh, you know, strange market aberrations. Mm -hmm. Although, though, as I mentioned in the Saudi Arabia example, which went up nine percent in a day, that's just including an uninvest what was an uninvestable or or not widely invested index index into a very invested index. Mm -hmm. So clearly, people expect demand to come from there, and hopefully, that that type of distortion will will even itself out. You also wrote uh, wrote about bond spreads this week, and um, you said that there. Are been some movement in bond spreads recently. Can you tell everybody what that means and what we should be paying attention to regarding that? Well, every non-government bond is based is is based on a spread over a government bond. So a 10-year treasury is sort of impeccable credit quality. So if you're a corporate buyer, you're going to pay more than the government. And if you're a Apple or Microsoft or one of the big Double A, triple A companies. You're going to pay very little, but of the higher yield you are, and the less, the, and the smaller you are, or the or the worse your credit, then obviously that spread is going to widen out. And that's what we've seen happen in the last couple of weeks. We've seen uh, some high yield credit, particularly the triple C's. So if you imagine the triple A's at one end of the best of the credit quality, triple C's are almost at the at the other end. They're not the worst. Grade D default is the worst, and double C's and single C's are below triple C's, but they're pretty bad. You have to you have to pretty rough balance sheet to get a triple C rating, uh, and we've seen energy uh, high yields uh, also where the spreads have widened out. So essentially, what that means is that investors are cautious. They're they're all they're sort of selling those those types of bonds. They feel that they're not getting paid enough, and this very much fits into our view that. You know, high yield spreads have been compressed so much that they were very rich, and you weren't really getting paid for some of the the risk that you were having to take on. And this 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 market movement in the last couple of weeks would suggest we were right on that. Thank you very much, Christian. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay, everybody, thanks very much. Here's the disclosure. Please note this discussion of our investments, investment strategy, including our research investment process, represents our investments, investment strategy. The data this commentary is subject to change without notice. 
We cannot assure that the type of investment discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or an attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. This is for general information purposes only. References to an individual security should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell the security. The securities mentioned in this commentary are only several are successful as well as unsuccessful investments by us and do not represent all of the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended. Although we deem reliable the sources of statistical and other information referred to in this commentary, we cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements or numerical data passports, no indication of future results.